January 22nd, 613, eight-month-old Constantine is crowned co-emperor. An article about Constantine called How He Worked Hard and Became Co-Emperor at Eight Months Old only mentions that his father is emperor once near the end of the fourth paragraph. Welcome to The Revisionists. I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. <laughs> yeah, and guess what? We're snakes this year. Yeah, this is all snake. We're doing the all snakes, the, no fakes. The fake J.K. Rowling language that uh, we're oh, not going to yeah. talk about. We're not going to give her royalties for. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, we're already we're doing. It's a package. Um, uh, Adam's apple is the name of the language. What? It's called it's called parcel, which a synonym for that is package. Fucking and then hell. tongue, a synonym for that is no. Not that is apple. that is not at all. Uvula, maybe I don't <laughs> no, know. No, th- again, not the tongue. I'm not even going to get into them because they all sound filthy. Yeah, I mean, this sounds disgusting. This sounds like an <laughs> opportunity to be horribly disgusting. We're going to keep rolling with this energy and uh, joining us uh, again, the wonderful Shannon Camp. Everyone, thank you so much for being here. I'm here, and I'm proud to stay. I've already stolen a lot from J.K. Rowling by <laughs> writing a lot of obscene Harry Potter fan fiction when I was a child <laughs> and earning no money. For yes, me. perfect. <laughs> um, where this is our first recording of 2022 because uh, we had a lot of problems with holidays and then um, the disease that's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you all know the disease. We don't yeah, need to say it. Yeah, the disease that's been going on for a while. <laughs> we got COVID. We can yeah. say it. It's not a dirty secret. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, yeah. You it's make not. me feel like weird about it. Yeah, there's, there's just it's the disease. It's been going on for a couple of years. Stop saying the disease. <laughs> yeah, it, it definitely makes it sound like I don't know consumption or like vampirism. Zach Something. is auditioning for Station Eleven over here. Well, that's why. What do you think COVID stands for? It stands for Consumption Vampirism D. <laughs> Jesus fucking! Clearly, what, listeners, what we haven't lost that? a step. I don't even understand. <laughs> Jesus! If you're new to the show, this is a comedy history podcast. Again, forgive us for uh, being a little off our game. It's been over a month since we recorded. Um, But uh, basically the premise is each uh, episode, we discuss a real person or event from history. Uh, One of us gives the true, actual, real-to-life account of that person or event as you would read it on uh, Wikipedia. Uh, And another person gives the uh, the alternate version of that event, a fanciful, crazy version that you might read on, say, Conservapedia. Um, and at the end, we vote on what becomes the true history of this brilliant, blue, spinning, iridescent marble we call the Earth going forward. Um, quick question. Is Conservapedia a real thing? Because it sounds there, like it might be. I believe it is. There oh, used it is no. too. At least yeah. it used to be. At least oh, it used to be. No. If it isn't currently, it was at one time. 
Uh, along Don't worry, it's, gentle listeners. My fake history will not be conservative. <laughs> it's uh, I believe I think it's been around since the aughts. If it's not still around, it's been around a long, long time since like uh, the Bush years. Yeah. Oh well. Fun. I'm sure that is that is. It seems like all the conservative sites that pop up are incredibly vulnerable to say <laughs> hacks or have glaring I mean, security just, breaches and that seems just like fully misinformation for the most part yeah, yeah. yeah so it's kind of a preamble to where conservatives are now where yeah. history is just like not accurate anymore yeah them. when they were at least coy about it yeah ironically wikipedia itself is in places riddled with uh misinformation driven mm-hmm. by uh bad actors from the alt-right and extreme uh, fascist groups like there's an amazing article about this woman who gets nazi pages taken down because these mm-hmm. guys will like make up stories for these random nazis that we know nothing about and she'll be like where's the source for this where's the source for this and the pages are so bad they get taken down yeah i i remember reading that and just being like oh god this is i i'm also glad like i don't go around reading pages about random Nazis on Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah. That's oh. a nasty little To be fair, hole. I also think like, you know, with these far-right people, a lot of times they move away from the Nazis. These people, their decision is like, we're just going to rehabilitate them one at a time. Yeah. We're going to start with the millions of Nazis and we're just going to be like, we'll start with the little guys and move on up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if that's what they want to put their time into... I mean, still fuck them, but at least they're, like, staying indoors. Um, Jesus. Um, I don't know. I think that lady is a hero. No, that lady is awesome. Um, I, I was speaking of the Nazis. Uh, may they not come outside uh, because of fear and shame. Um, anyway, uh, take that energy into the new year. So, um, last time we talked about William Chalinor. Yes. Uh, the Elizabethan era dildo maker slash con artist. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what one. The what? Uh, alternate history. Oh, okay. One out. So he where... was a time traveler. Uh, he had a little pocket watch that he could uh, that he could put his dildos through and go through time in that fashion. <laughs> uh, so that's what happened with that guy. <laughs> Now, did he have like a big pocket watch or really small dildos? Very small dildos, mm-hmm. but uh, it seems like he very small dildos. Yeah, it seemed like he had a line of like very small, like novelty watch dildos, and the then real, like this is part of the real history. Yeah, yeah, uh, oh, and wow. then a line of like normal, like regular market size dildos. But the entire um, face of the watch turned into a portal, so you could theoretically yes. put a regular size dildo. Through the watch portal. Yes. And that's what the new Doctor Strange movie is about. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say Doctor Who. <laughs> I, I mean, it's one of those I things mean, where way, two... Fine. It's like an Armageddon Deep Impact situation where two people have the same idea at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and ironically, one of them is still called Deep Impact. Um, anyway... Oh, God, I am a full-grown adult. Um, So, listeners, this time we are discussing, uh, and I'm very excited to use my uh, year and a half of high school French, Jean de Valois Saint-Remy, 
and I will be doing the actual history, and Shannon is going to be doing the alternate. Yeah, thank you for announcing that, because I don't know how to pronounce that shit. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I kind of figured you would like me to take that off your plate. Yeah. Um, it wasn't bad at all. I mean, not that I'm a French expert either, but I took I took a decent amount. I There are a few things I'm going to probably stumble on, but like I'm feeling much more on solid ground than I do with, say, Russian or oh yeah almost anything else oh yeah mm. oh yeah the russian episodes were were a trial yeah uh ironically because trials feature a lot in russian history um yeah as opposed to other kinds of history where there are famously no trials yeah well i mean there's a lot uh and they're mostly for show um my before i forget my sources for the actual history are, uh, first and foremost, the podcast Revolutions by Mike Duncan, uh, which is a great podcast. Um, specifically, uh, season three, uh, The Affair of the Diamond Necklace, uh, and Pointing Fingers, uh, which is an ex- exhibition from Bryn Mawr College Library, uh, Ann Foster's blog, host of the Vulgar History Podcast, and uh, the aforementioned Wikipedia. Um, it turns out this guy was a really nice Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> It's a woman. <laughs> well, and also, the joke was that the, ba- the Nazis had edited this guy's page. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and also not a Nazi. Yeah, there's... <laughs> Women can be Nazis too, just yes. ask Coco Chanel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a few episodes ago. I can't remember mm-hmm. the exact number. Um, Eva Braun, uh, what's her name? The director. We don't need to just list them. <laughs> we don't li- need to list all the lady Nazis. <laughs> I made a joke about a historical figure because it's a historical podcast. <laughs> um. <laughs> so, Jean de Valois Saint Remy was born uh, Jean de Valois at Fontette in northeast France, uh, sort of not too far from Paris. Uh, her father, Jacques de Valois, the Baron de Saint Remy. Uh, was a descendant of the royal family uh, through his ancestor in the 16th century, who was an illegitimate son of King Henri II and uh, uh, Nicole de Savigny. Um, so the family had, uh, they did have like bona fide royal connections, but they weren't like favorites or anything. They weren't close with the royal family. Um, and Jean's father, uh, drank to excess and the family basically lived off only what they could scrape together. Like Jean's mother was a servant at court named Marie Yossel. Jean was largely neglected, like had to beg for food as a child, tended cows. Um, but she was still a noble and French nobility had a thing where like, we can't abide poverty. Like they have to sort of maintain as best they can, the appearance of nobility, um, even <coughs> despite however much they're actually making. Uh, so that led to the Valois uh, and a lot of other noble families uh, taking on just ruinous debt rather than mm. appearing to struggle. Um, so eventually this led to her whole family moving in with another family of nobles near Boulogne. Um and they eventually did appeal to the royal genealogist uh, who verified their ancestry and set them up 
and set Jean up at a boarding school with a stipend of 900 pounds, give or take. Um, and the that must plan- have been a very interesting job during that time to be a, ge- a royal <laughs> genealogist. Yeah. yeah. Since you can't rely on like reliable records yeah. or like science. And then yeah. like the nobility comes back as 164th black and they think that makes them actually a minority. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, and then their DNA is linked to a family member's c- committing a crime. Yeah, way it back gets when. sent to Cambridge Analytica <laughs> after they submit it, or whatever the fuck happens with that DNA you send in. Um, anyway, so the plan was for Jean and her younger sister to become nuns, uh, but they decided to not do that uh, because it sounds like shit. Yeah, that's a um, bad plan. Yeah. <laughs> I recommend nobody become a nun, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, unless you're Whoopi Goldberg uh, and oh, you're yeah, doing it good. to, I think, escape from, like, an organized crime syndicate. Uh, I can't remember the opening of Sister Act. Um, that sounds like most movies from the is. 90s. That sounds like a very <laughs> 90s premise for a movie. Yeah, no. Whoopi Goldberg is left home alone by her family and has to... Uh, mm-hmm. Keep away a genetically engineered T-Rex. Yeah. Um, they went to live in a, a town called Barcerab. Uh Jean eventually married a man named uh, Marc-Antoine Nicolas de Lamotte. Uh, just Nicholas, Nicolas. Uh, Nicolas was a French cop uh, who claimed to be noble himself. Famously get a bad rap in Les Mis. <laughs> yep. <laughs> get and also in reality they get sure. uh, they were not good. Um <laughs> despite all the all the law and order stage plays that were sort of copaganda. Um but uh he claimed to be noble but What's the French word for wolf and also the French word for dick? Um I I was trying to um <laughs> I can't remember Listeners, wow. write in. Tell us, <laughs> tell us what the French leave words are review, for Dick Wolf. Leave a review with the French term for Dick Wolf. Uh, five stars, please. <laughs> <laughs> five stars. The French translation for Dick Wolf and nothing else. <laughs> and also, the and when French- I say Dick, I don't mean Richard. Preferably, and not like the anatomical Dick. Yeah, because it would just be Richard or whatever, yeah, that's and not that's fun. yeah, nah. Um, anatomical dicks only, please. Mm-hmm. Um, and the French translation for dun dun. Um, dun dun. <laughs> Perfect. Um, I was gonna say verdun, verdun. <laughs> Said French. Yeah, yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's it is. Um, so Nicholas, his noble ancestry was probably entirely made up, um, but nonetheless, after they wed, they still uh, called themselves the Comte and Comtesse de la Motte Valois. So, meanwhile, uh, a princess of the Holy Roman Empire, uh, the Austrian Maria Antonia, has been married to the future king of France. To try to cement an alliance between the long-feuding French and Austrians. Uh, and she would change her name to Marie Antoinette in an effort to win over the French people who were uh, cold on the marriage at first. Um, and for 
first part of the marriage, he was more or less like liked well enough by the people um, for a little bit. Um, and by the way, I don't know if we mentioned this is our mini series on con artists. And so we've arrived at our first mini con of the actual history. Um, a man named Jacques Necker, who was like sort of the finance minister, uh, was committed to helping Louis the Sixteenth uh, fund the French uh, support for the American Revolution, basically, but without raising taxes because the people were kind of mad already about that. Um, so he told the court he could raise the money for the war entirely through loans, uh, and. There were just rumors all over the country, uh, like both before this and after this, that the French royalty uh, and the French treasury was just in financial crisis, which they were. A series of loans. He called it Franway. Um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Herbalife or whatever. Um, I don't know why I did Italian fingers for that. Um but Necker, to quash these rumors and restore confidence in the royal treasury, he publishes like a massive public account of what he claimed was the whole realm's finances, the Comte Rendu. Uh, like that became a wildly popular book in France. Like some people later claimed that they learned to read as kids by reading the Comte Rendu. Um, the accounting it, of the finances of France. Yeah. This was, I can't I put it down. Shannon, you're a nanny. Have you tried uh, introducing <laughs> any of maybe Hayden's about two, right? So maybe he's ready to read about the finances of pre-revolution France. Yeah, I'll give it a spin. That'll fit right in with all the uh, Marvel cartoons <laughs> yeah. and Winnie the Pooh movies that we watch. Yeah, you go right from Bluey to Les Miserables, basically. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, speaking of Les Miserables, Jean and her husband definitely make me think of the Thenardiers. Like when they're yeah. like pretending to be uh, like high class people in the second act. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, man. Listeners, if you can't tell, uh, this is one of the occasions where all three people on this podcast are theater people. So buckle in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> though, though if it helps, listener, I have never seen nor read Les Miserables, so I only kind mm. of know the plot. Um, boo. Boo. Um, have you listened to the soundtrack? No. Oh, well. I've uh, heard I, individual songs. I can't help you then. Um, so, and, like, the book everyone loved to read, because this was a very boring time to be alive, uh, it showed the kingdom running a surplus, uh, which, except the trick is, it didn't show all of the kingdom's expenses. For example, all the loans taken out to fight the American War, uh, and they were super deep in debt, but people, uh, got so attached to the fiction that many refused to believe the kingdom was broke, uh, a few years later, when more scrupulous finance ministers took the job, and instead, uh, the people went looking for someone to blame. And that person, or of of the limited amount of people who got the blame, one person who got it much more than they deserved uh, was Marie Antoinette. Um, and it didn't help that she and Louis did not produce a male heir for years. Um 
and the people blamed Marie for that, um, because of course they did. Um, but anyway, back to Jean. Uh, her husband was kind of a cold fish, uh, and he, like he left Jean to her own devices most of the time. And she, she's described in a lot of sources as wanting to maintain the like sort of lavish lifestyle she was accustomed to at that point. And I'm some element of that I'm sure is true to an extent, but that's also something critics attribute to her being a woman and not part of like a status obsessed noble class. Um, so even if that is true, I think it's misattributed anyway. Um, in any case, Plus, during this difficult time where, like, people die young because of, like, disease and, like, terrible poverty, why wouldn't you try to, like, claw your way up as high as you could in life? Like, you're trying to survive. It's like animal instinct at at a certain level, honestly. Yeah, where, like, there is sort of, like, a middle class of people, but, A, a lot of that is organized by birth rather than, like, job or income, and it's very small so you're either like noble and wealthy or struggling to survive Um, yeah and she's a woman who's basically dependent and been dependent on unreliable like men her whole life her father and now this like drunk cold fish liar weirdo husband (laughs) (laughs) i can't stress this enough i should have said when i said the phrase not an actual fish man. Uh, no, cannot stress no, that. Out. We all know what you're talking about. It's one of those lo- on those love tester machines. <laughs> yes, way up to the bottom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so she decides she had that to, had to find herself a burning hunk somewhere else. Theoretically. <laughs> um, so Jean decides that her salary from the royal family uh, that she got for just being born noble wasn't enough. And makes a plan to approach Marie Antoinette in person and ask her for basically a bigger allowance. Um, and John hoped that Marie would be more sympathetic to her play. Um, and this was actually a fairly easy thing to do because apparently anyone could just walk into the royal palace at Versailles as long as they were, quote, suitably dressed. Um, so I don't know what it's, like. So the it's like is. the Magic Castle in Hollywood. Yeah, it's basically <laughs> as long as you're not wearing jean coats, I think you're good. Mm-hmm. But people were also like peeing behind the curtains and stuff. It was a wild oh, yeah. time. So it it's was... like the Magic Castle in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, but likely due to Jean's poor reputation, um, the Queen uh, refused to see her. Um, so anyway, at this time, Jean also took up with a couple of lovers because France, um, and so a famous gigolo who was also a cop, um, Reto de Villette. She had a type. Yeah. <laughs> gigolo cop and fish cop <laughs> in whatever the fucking lethal Black, weapon for. Buddy, yeah, yeah. There we go. <laughs> um, Another of her lovers was a uh, nobleman and cardinal, uh, Louis de Rohan. Uh, Rohan was an ambitious man who had also publicly objected to the marriage of Marie Antoinette and Louis XVI. Um, he also served as an ambassador to Austria, 
where he either intentionally or just accidentally gave uh, Marie's mother just, like, inside information on her, like, doings and comings and goings. Do you know where he scored on the love tester, or is it lost to time? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it seems like he was not too far above a cold fish. So let's say... Lukewarm. Lukewarm. uh, He seems more like a glass of tap water. Um, Well, I'll say it was no accident that he was reporting back to her famously controlling uh, mother who had like an army of spies. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, He also seems, we'll get to this, uh, dumb as a bag of sticks. So he may have been just like easily tricked. Oh, yeah, no, he's not smart. (laughs) I can't stress this enough. Not a smart Catholic cardinal. Um, But basically, he was high on Marie Antoinette's shit list. Um, He's not even smart for Cardinal the Bird. (laughs) Who are famously assholes. They are jerk birds, A number one, uh, almost as bad as Blue Jays. They kick all the other birds out of our bird feeder when they show up. Oh, really? They're beautiful. They've earned it. (laughs) I don't care at all. So it's, it's Studio 54 rules, basically. Uh, he, he was, yeah, front of the line. He was smart by the metrics of an Arizona Cardinal. Am I right, uh, Cubs fans? They're our, our rivals, so. <laughs> yeah, we live in Chicago. Oh, Have you heard my voice? We live in Chicago. Oh, Zach is actually covered in pickle, tomato, and celery salt right now. No ketchup, and- though. Say, not a drop of ketchup. Don't you put that on him. And Shannon is swimming in some sort of pizza casserole. Um, How dare you, sir? <laughs> if I a- had a little glove and we were here in person, I would go smack, smack. <laughs> we're just having our nightly, our nightly malort. Uh. <laughs> oh my god even the word makes me turn green okay we can't turn this into a chicago podcast or it'll be five hours long of course. i'm just I'm <laughs> saying things like this and of course singing all that jazz um we're gonna do every song <laughs> uh, so depending on the source um some say that, like, at this point, the Cardinal sort of had a crush on Marie Antoinette, and his advances creeped her out. Um, it's unclear whether that's now or later, though. Um, but in any case, to advance his career, uh, he would need to reverse his fortunes with uh, the Queen. And But anyway, uh, Cardinal Rohan, Jean de Valois, totally boning. Um, and at some point... Jean learned of Rohan's desire to ingratiate himself to the queen. And she was just like, oh, I know her. Uh, I can put in a good word for you if you pay me. And um, so Rohan starts giving her money and jewels. And Jean keeps coming back with, yeah, she doesn't want to see you uh, or talk to you. Um, But Rohan started to seem suspicious. So uh, Jean offered to introduce him to the queen. Um, And so what Jean did was she hired uh, Nicole Laguay, a a sex worker who looked a lot like Marie Antoinette uh, and dressed up in like fancy queen's clothes and 
she met her and Rohan um, at night in one of the gardens at Versailles. And Rohan, a fool, was convinced and uh, even started exchanging letters with who he thought was Marie Antoinette, which was in reality the gigolo cop fuckboy, who was also a master forger, (laughs) apparently. So um, what a time to be alive. And this is where we get to the necklace. Uh, the former king, Louis XV, commissioned a jewelry firm, Beaumer and Bassange, uh, to design this extravagant diamond necklace for his mistress, uh, Madame du Barry. Uh, and the necklace ended up costing, in 2021 money, over $15 million. Um, like, the description is like, a row of 17 glorious diamonds, uh, as large almost as Filbert's, and a three-wreath festoon. Uh, it's, I've seen pictures, a hideous necklace. It's very ugly. It would have been perfect for Madame du Barry, though. <laughs> oh, she could have pulled it off. Oh, yeah. no, that was shade. <laughs> forgive, forgive my ignorance. Who or what is... A Philbert. Is it a side character from Dilbert? <laughs> it's the dog. They were as big as the dog from Dilbert. Uh, a Philbert is a hazelnut also. Um, but yes, also the dog from Dilbert. <laughs> um, anyway, it took like it took the jewelry firm years to make the necklace, like to gather all the diamonds and do the beading or whatever. I don't know how you make a necklace. Um and in the time that they were making it, uh, King Louis XV died of smallpox, and Louis XVI, wanting to distance himself from the extravagance of his father, um, banished- His grandfather. Grandfather, thank you. Um, banished Madame du Barry from the court. Um, and this left the jewelry firm with a wild, expensive necklace that no one wanted to buy. Uh, They offered it all around Europe. No one was interested. Marie Antoinette refused it um, because it was too ostentatious and expensive. And somewhere along the line, our uh, Comtesse Jean uh, hears about the necklace and gets an idea where- This is why, freelancers, you get the money in advance. Yes. (laughs) Uh, If there are any freelance- expensive necklace Ju- designers out jeweled there. necklace makers, yeah. <laughs> they were almost like talent agents for the necklace. Like They really they were. They had to go like, pitch it to different rich people who were like, mm. <laughs> No, I prefer to go with, uh, <laughs> I'll wear Timothy Chalamet around my neck instead. <laughs> He's That's smaller how- and lighter than that <laughs> freaking necklace. <laughs> Um, so she had a gigolo cop forger, uh, De Villette, start dropping references to the necklace in his fake letters to the horny cardinal so that he gets the idea that, like, oh, if I get her the necklace, the queen will give me a bunch of little smooches. Um, so... I think he was not seeking her romantic favor. It was a career thing where you want to be... Metaphorical You want to be in her good graces. It would have been crazy. I mean, I know he's horny, like he's sleeping with Jean and stuff, but she's like 
no offense to her fake title, a nobody. This guy is not going to try to have an affair with the fucking queen of France. I know it's France, yeah. but that's just not on the table. I think I can't. I looks like I didn't. I skipped where this would have been, so I guess I didn't write it down. There were some some of the sources I read, and you're totally right. He definitely did want like career advancement and like to not be hated at court. There were some sources who said that in the fake letters, they sort of made it seem like Marie Antoinette had a crush on him. Uh, so he may have been tricked into that again. Oh, I he have seems... no doubt that there was like flirting and stuff. Yeah, but I don't yeah, think yeah. He would have legitimately pursued having like a sexual affair with her. True. I think he really wanted to be in her good graces. And that was what the flirting was about because that's like how he was going to get ahead and make money and keep sleeping with all these people. I, I mean, at least one woman, probably more. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I am. I am sure. Um, the um, So the gigolo cop fake queen said she didn't want to cause a scandal by purchasing the necklace publicly. Uh, but if Rohan wanted to buy it for her to use Comtesse Jean as an intermediary. Uh, so he did. Uh, Rohan negotiated with the jewelers to buy the necklace on installments. Oh, and my God. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> uh, he's so dumb. Um, and he showed, he, like, he showed the jewelers the fake letters to prove he had the queen's investment. Um, so Jean got the necklace, took it to her useless husband, and they uh, disassembled it and sold the diamonds on the black market in Paris and London. Um, which was great, except the jewelers still needed to get paid. And when they didn't get like their scheduled payment from Rohan or Jean, they approached Marie Antoinette at court, uh, to ask for the payment. And she was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, and cause she was again, not interested in any of this. Um, and Louis the 16th and Marie Antoinette, they, they get Cardinal Rohan in the box and they go all Gorn and Eames on him. Uh, and he flips on him. He sings like a canary. Uh, and he's taken to the Bastille. Uh, Jean is arrested three days later. Enough time to destroy her correspondence, fortunately. Uh, she's arrested along with, uh, De Valette, the gigolo cop, Nicole Leguay, and, uh, a dude named Alessandro Cagliostro, uh, who was an Italian magician and occultist who was probably not involved in the whole scheme. Uh, but still got arrested anyway. Uh, her husband, Nicholas, was in London at the time. And the thing is, uh, the king and queen probably could have dealt with the legal matter privately, but they also felt a need to show the public that they were not, like, this opulent, wasteful couple. Um, so they opted for a public trial. and. That ended up really backfiring uh, because Jean uh, sort of talked about like her life of poverty and having to get by uh, like and all the things she had to do. Um, and the public ended up feeling a lot of sympathy for her. Um, they were all the public also at this time being primed to dislike Marie Antoinette. Um, and Jean was found guilty she was sentenced, uh, it was a pretty harsh sentence. Uh, she was sentenced to be whipped, branded, and imprisoned for life. Um, 
which the like extreme punishment also like pushed public opinion in her favor. Um, her husband and the gigolo cop were both found guilty. Uh, her husband in absentia, uh, and the cardinal, uh, Count Caliostro, Nicola Guay were acquitted. Um, though the cardinal and the count were both exiled. Um, Jean was sent to the uh, Salpetriere prison, and a year later, she escaped by disguising herself as a little boy, uh, who I guess was just hanging out in prison, um, yeah. <laughs> as little boys do. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach, you and I have both little been little boys. Yeah, um, and we went to prisons a lot. Yeah. Um, That's why my parents... Moved to a house. We both lived in a house near a prison, and our parents moved there explicitly. So we that is actually true. Somewhere to go uh, when we did during our after school. Yep, you mostly like everyone mostly hung out at my dad's house. My mom's house was even closer to the prison, Mm -hmm. uh, like literally right across the street. Um, To the point where, uh, and this is a side note, and I only learned about this like. Two weeks ago, um, your mom was actually an escaped convict, <laughs> <laughs> and she hid in plain sight by yeah. being right by the prison, <laughs> right under their nose. No, um, our backyard used to have just like a an easement ditch running through it, where prisoners would just escaping from the prison would just run through at night uh, until like I was three or so, and my parents just filled that in. <laughs> Um, oh my gosh. So, anyway, um, Jean fled to London, where she wrote her memoirs, which were uh, perhaps unsurprisingly very anti Marie Antoinette. Um, and she lived out the rest of her days there, which it turns out were not a lot. Um, on August 23rd, 1791, Jean was hiding from debt collectors in her hotel room. When she fell out the window, um, and it's it's never been determined whether that was an accident or not, um, and probably never will be determined. But two years later, uh, Marie Antoinette would be uh, guillotined, and would this have happened without Jean's con? Uh, probably still at some point, um, but. The affair of the diamond necklace certainly helped cement the perceptions of Antoinette, Louis the Sixteenth, and sort of the royalty as a whole. Um, that was the main thing that fueled the French Revolution, and that is the actual history of Jean de Valois Saint Remy. Well, thank you uh, for the real history, Brian. Um, briefly before we go on, as with every episode in our con artist series, this episode will be available as an NFT in the spirit <laughs> of the series. Um, uh, just, you know, thematically appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're going to move on to the alternate history. Uh, whenever you're ready, Shannon. All right. Well, I'll dive right in. Um, in this alternate history i don't want to say fake history alternate history uh jean's childhood is pretty much the same as is her early life 
and uh, she marries Nicholas de Lamont, and he's pretty much exactly the way Brian described him. <laughs> so we'll pick up with her story uh, as she tries to approach uh, the queen, Marie Antoinette. Uh, just like we talked about before, she's initially rebuffed, but this time something different happens. She's so spirited and just very charismatic. A lot of accounts mention that. She catches the eye of the Duchesse de Polignac, who is Marie Antoinette's close friend. Um, she was a lot more of a party girl than Marie Antoinette. She was a lot more into the high life and kind of brought out that side in the queen um and she the Jackie thought- to uh the Jackie to Marie Antoinette Shauna basically if we're talking yellow jackets here we're sorry i've been watching a lot in. of yellow jackets we're only I'd a few be- episodes in so don't say a word i won't I'd, i won't i'd guess you've watched up to 10 episodes of it i i would say so yeah i think that's a good estimate Well, that remains to be seen. I assume Brian is correct, but I can't speak to that quite yet. Um, Anyway, uh, during this time, Marie Antoinette had become totally fascinated with quote-unquote pastoral life. Um, Mm. She had had the Petit Trianon built for her, which, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, was like her own little farm away from Versailles where she could have like a perfect little fake farm life. Like, uh, let's say if she was collecting eggs from the hen house, servants would have already gone in and like wiped all the excrement and feathers or anything off the eggs so just everything was always perfect um Mm. and during this time Marie Antoinette became very famous for ditching um her big panniers which were like those hoop skirt things on the side of her hips that made her outfits huge and corsets (laughs) and stuff like that and just wearing much more simple loose dresses that were like chemises um Mm -hmm. so the Duchesse de Pontiac thought oh wouldn't it be funny like as a joke as a game to kind of spice up our boring afternoon if I bring this silly lower class lady into uh, the queen's private salon and we'll just have a little bit of fun at her expense. Like we'll be talking mm. to her. We'll be pretending to take her seriously um, and we'll be just be like laughing on the inside. And of course, Jean, because she has this kind of inflated sense of self or at least inflated sense of status, I should say, has no idea that this is going on and thinks that the invitation yep. is totally sincere. It's almost like a mean girls moment, if you will. Yep. Which the Duchesse de Pontiac was famous for. Um, but <laughs> <coughs> when uh, the Duchesse de Pontiac, uh, whose name was Yolande, when Yolande uh, brought Jean around the Queen's chambers, uh, Marie Antoinette and Jean kind of unexpectedly bonded. Uh, Mostly over one thing, which is that their husbands were turds. Just kind of not the best and also pretty much the worst. Um, Louis, bless his heart, 
was not a cool <laughs> man, but he was a very weird one um, who did not have very much interest at all in having sexual relations with his wife, which was unfortunate because she was the one catching all the flack uh, for them not having the appropriate number of heirs and all of that. Right. Yeah. So they sort of bonded over this and, you know, they're being plied with tons of really good French wine and champagne by the Duchesse de Polignac. And uh, there are a few other little, you know, cohorts there, but it's a tight group. They're in Marie Antoinette's private chambers. And they decide that it would be fun just as a little scheme, as a silly diversion for the queen that she can come back and tell them all about. What if Marie Antoinette and Jean just swapped places for just a few (laughs) weeks just to see what happens? Marie Antoinette has been craving more of the simple life. Even at the Petit Trianon, she feels like there are always harsh, judgmental eyes on her. She's becoming really paranoid. And of course, we know. Yeah. (laughs) And of course, well, that's why they're they're evolved from dinosaurs. And of course, we know that Jean definitely wants a taste of the high life. Um, So that's what they ended up doing with the help of Yolande. Marie Antoinette was uh, disguised in Jean's clothes and uh, spirited out of the palace. And Jean was heavily powdered, wigged, uh, dressed up in Marie Antoinette's Versailles clothes and sent back to the palace where... A few people sort of looked askance, but keep in mind, they were doing a lot of drugs, drinking a (laughs) lot of alcohol, and suffering from a lot of chronic health conditions, and they didn't really know what was going on. It's the school from Euphoria, basically. It it basically was because uh, Louis' grandfather, the former king, had actually popularized this style of dress where women's breasts were fully out. So this was like the conservative years of the court, and it was still definitely not conservative. But that's just going to show the standard that we're working with. Yeah. Uh, I don't have this written down, listeners. This is all – some of these facts are off the top of my dome. Um <laughs> So the problem was uh, Jean really, really wanted more than a taste of the high life. Marie Antoinette was the sort of person who was a little bit cautious about accepting something like that crazy diamond necklace, but Jean had no such compunctions. And she quickly made the queen's reputation even worse by demanding even more expensive and luxurious things. Things that made even her BFFs, the Duchesse de Pontiac and the Princesse de Lamballe, look askance. And they were two of the only people that knew what was going on. And uh, Marie Antoinette's husband, Louis, was just really not spending that much time with her because he did not want to put his penis inside of her. That was like a huge no for him. Did not want it to happen. Ick, ick, ick. Bad. Um, (laughs) Sorry, I was just not expecting it to be put that directly. (laughs) I mean, that was literally the problem. He had a medical condition where there was too much skin, like, holding his connecting his penis to his body so oh that really was the problem yeah he he was very inbred as most royals were during that time and he had penis problems 
That's not a joke. That's no. I, I, <laughs> anyway, um, and of course, Jean's husband, Delamont, who was living with Marie Antoinette at we the time. the leather face. <laughs> the what? <laughs> I have not seen that movie. And I'm too scared. So I, I'm not going to see it anytime soon. I'm way too scared. Um, anyway, uh, Jean's husband, Nicolas Delamont, was just way too drunk to realize what was going on. He couldn't see her face because he was seeing three of her, you know? <laughs> and um, I don't remember if Brian mentioned this in his real history, but Jean and Nicolas had no surviving children. Mm. Uh, she was pregnant when they got married, but they had no surviving children. So Marie Antoinette didn't have any children to take care of, anything like that. And uh, they had a few servants who noticed that suddenly Jean was being a lot more demanding than usual, but she a lot of times kept her face shrouded in a veil. Um, anyway, so this is just carrying on, and the Duchesse de Pontiac and the Princesse de Lombard are like, this has gotten way out of hand. You have to switch back. But Jean is like, look, if you try to send me back and bring uh, Marie Antoinette back in my stead, I will go completely public with this story. I will tell everyone that it was you two that specifically orchestrated this thing, uh, blah, blah, blah. It was basically mutually assured destruction. So they felt powerless to do anything. And it was just like a runaway train, especially because Jean also had none of Marie Antoinette's compunctions about sleeping around, although Marie Antoinette probably did have some affairs. But Jean took it to a whole nother level because she slept with that dumb cardinal <laughs> who in any universe is not a smart man. So <laughs> I'm sorry, I just love ragging on this dude. <laughs> this affair of the necklace becomes literal because this time they actually were having an affair. But the Cardinal believed he was having an affair with Marie Antoinette, Antoine, but he was not. It was Jean in disguise. Um, and, you know, she actually looked a little bit like Marie Antoinette herself. This is true. Not as much as that sex worker they hired, probably, but there are definitely some similarities. Like, they had the same mm -hmm. eye color and stuff. So, uh, she was able to pass, especially with all that crazy makeup and I was going to say, she did not, you powdered someone enough. She had enough no and, interest in mm. the petite trianon because she did not want to pretend to have the simple life. She wanted yeah. the most elaborate life possible. Uh, when the whole cost of the diamond necklace thing came to light, uh, Jean, as Marie Antoinette, produced some counterfeit letters created by this gigolo cop guy that she was sleeping with um, that basically pinned the whole thing on the Princesse de Lamballe, who was actually a very sort of uptight conservative member of their circle. And... Um, uh, the Princesse de Lamballe was punished in the same way that Jeanne was in this, in the version of the history Brian told you about. She was publicly whipped and beaten, and it was very hard for her. But what Jeanne didn't realize was that she had just saved the Princesse de Lamballe's life because she was uh, killed 
uh, before Marie Antoinette, and they literally paraded her head around before Marie Antoinette uh, during the French Revolution. So the Princess de Lamballe oh, went right. through this horrible. Her. Yeah. So Jean Jean didn't realize, but she unwittingly saved her life because after she was publicly humiliated, she went to live in a nunnery for the rest of her life and gave up her title as princess and just faded into obscurity and that was pretty much the last anyone heard of her um, i know it's french but when you say process it's like that game of thrones thing where they change one letter oh. <laughs> it's the same title but they just put an, an a in place of the i well it's it's a little bit it is different just because it's a much 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 lower rank than daughter of the king which would be the dauphine in French. Mm-hmm. So, and then the someone like the Duchesse de Pontiac would be higher up than the Princesse de Lamballe. Anyway, um, so basically they were never able to switch back. Maria oh, no. would have liked to, but the opportunity never really rolled around and things kept getting worse and worse. She wanted to go back because she wanted to see her older daughter and son but during this time period she did uh you know have relations with dilemma a few times he wasn't you know suffering from the medical problems her husband was and so she had her daughter and her son with him instead of with louis and you Mm -hmm. know conditions in the palace were terrible for royal births uh They would be so crowded by people that the mothers would like faint during labor because they couldn't breathe and stuff. And her having her children away from that actually uh, led to them being much stronger and healthier. And instead of dying very young, they both lived into adulthood in this alternate history. Instead of dying as small children, they both lived because they just had this simpler but ultimately healthier life. And Jean was executed as the Queen of France in Marie Antoinette's stead. But that's not quite the end of the story. Marie Antoinette really wanted to have contact with her older children, especially after seeing what happened to her husband and all her former friends and even family members. It it really meant a lot to her uh, to try to get back in touch with them. Unfortunately, her son died in prison um, during the French Revolution, but her daughter was like an older teenager at this point and was still alive. So when the Duchesse de Pontiac uh, was leaving the country and Lafayette was helping people escape to America, uh, Antoine uh, was given the chance to be extracted to America basically to escape with some of her friends and she chose to stay in London instead hoping that she would have the chance of crossing paths with her daughter who wasn't living in France anymore but was traveling around Europe being hosted by different friendly members of the aristocracy Mm -hmm. who of course are one big family all inbred all spread across all these different countries all have those weird not working penises that we discussed earlier. Unfortunately, while staying in a very fancy hotel, under mysterious circumstances, the woman formerly known as Marie Antoinette fell from a very high window and was killed as her body hit the pavement. 
she fell right on the base of her neck and her head was cleaved from her body in the fall. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) And as a little postscript to the story, as I said, her two children with uh, Nicolas de Lamotte survived. So in this alternate version of history, there are living descendants of Marie Antoinette who may or may not know that they are, but they are the descendants of these illegitimate, quote unquote, uh, undercover children of hers. And perhaps (laughs) they walk among us. Who knows? How is there not like a 90s movie called Undercover Children? (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's basically Parent Trap. I didn't mean to be grisly with the fall thing. Unfortunately, John in real life had a grisly fall, and I thought, hey, Marie Antoinette got her head chopped off. What if in this version it got popped off? Yeah, no, I I was just not – I was like, oh, she might live happily – oh, no. No, still the fall. But I liked – I mean, in this version, her two younger children survive. Three of her four children survive in this version instead of one of four, so – I like yeah. how you were like, I'm going to give her a happier story, but I'm still going to kill a couple of these people. And <laughs> no, it wasn't a happy. It wasn't a happier story. It was just an alternate story where they switched places. It was not trying to be a happier story. Uh, I think it just worked out where it was a little happier. Um, but again, this is a little silly. Some of the children survived, but that was just because I thought that'd be interesting if she still had more descendants that were around. Yeah. I wasn't because I was trying to be cute. <laughs> I promise, guys. <laughs> it's not uh, Disney's Anastasia. Wait, Disney didn't make Anastasia. Dreamworks. I mean, now it's else. Disney's Fox's Anastasia. Disney's so actually, Fox's you're right. Anastasia. Oh, that's right. Oh, no. It is Disney's Anastasia. Wait they own her. Anastasia, Marie Antoinette, both Kirsten Dunst. Is <gasps> it a coincidence? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Zach is cracking the code to history. Someone get the Discovery Channel on the line now. <laughs> oh, Kirsten, man. tell us everything. She has like deep state secrets that she can't tell us, but they gave her just that her acting would be that good. And you know what? She nailed it. Last I saw Marie Antoinette, she was married to a rancher in Montana whose brother was fucking awful. Um, Power of the Dog. Oh, I thought and you theaters. were talking shade about Jesse Plemons no, in real life seen, for a second. And no. we, we, we both got like yet. really He's cold for a second here. But no, I know exactly I, what you mean. I was going to say a little more towards our actual subject, but also on the subject of Kirsten Dunst. I used to be so impressed that they got to film a lot of that Sofia Coppola, Marie Antoinette movie at Versailles. And it's an amazing film. It's literally like in mm-hmm. my top 10 movies of all time. But uh, this year, there's a movie starring Pierce Brosnan as a king who tries to catch a mermaid that was given unprecedented access to film at Versailles. So maybe I'm not impressed anymore. Wait, what the? What is this called? Is it a comedy or is it like? It's called The King's Daughter. Great title, first of all. Yeah, it wrapped memorable. in. It wrapped filming in 
20 or no, it was supposed to come out in 2014 and it's been oh. sitting on the shelf since then and it's supposed to come out now i'm so excited to see it i've literally never been more excited for a movie <laughs> just because it's been sitting on the shelf this long it's going to be saw, like a great bad review before we started and it got a d plus so. oh my god i'm so excited oh, now i'm excited oh i'm happy <laughs> oh i'm definitely adding that to my list oh shannon thank you <laughs> Oh, yeah. you're welcome. I feel so much happiness in this moment, truly. <laughs> uh, I guess that brings us to some plugs. Um, um, yeah, uh, I'll go first real quick. I have another podcast called The Movie Trap. I've talked about it on here before, but it's kind of a gamified movie review podcast featuring me and uh, Chris Borth, Russell Carlson, both of whom have been on this podcast before. Yes, indeed. So if that interests you, uh, you can find it at podcast places. Yeah. Just go down to your corner podcast place and say, one movie trap, please. Yeah. You might fall into the movie trap and then you'll be unable to get out. <laughs> you'll have to gnaw your leg off. That's the only way you can stop listening. Yeah. All uh, To be on point, all of our uh, episodes are 127 hours long, just as like kind of a <laughs> nod to being trapped. <laughs> Uh, uh, Shannon, did you want to mention anything in particular? Yeah, you can go to littlewomenpodcast.com to listen to my audio drama version of Little Women. Uh, it was released uh, in 2019 and 2020, but it's evergreen, baby. Mm. You know, it's, uh, it's not something that is like based on to the day current events and there are some historical episodes too that will uh let you know more about louise mailcott's life and some of the background of little women and stuff like that and uh it's my baby i think it's a real fun show so check it out it's super easy to remember littlewomenpodcast.com yeah it's fantastic uh great performances and like you were saying the the extra material is also really really cool um yeah, listeners, I'll just say uh, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash The Revisionists. Uh, the link is in the show notes. If you want to, you know, sponsor us um, as we do this thing. Um, I think I mentioned it last time, um, but thank you to TJ and Christine uh, for your recent donations. Uh, very generous. And yeah, you can also... If, you know, donating money to us is not a thing for you right now, uh, you can help by writing a review on your podcast service of choice, uh, including Spotify now, which is taking reviews for podcasts, um, which is insane that they weren't doing it earlier. Um, oh, but it's just yeah. another place I have to beg for reviews. Yeah. No, it's kind of a pain in the ass, but it's also like, uh, fine. Um, I feel like a shill. Um but yeah, written reviews especially. Just again, write the French for Dick and Wolf, uh, and give us five stars and nothing else. Okay, nothing I else. Cannot ever. In fact, don't even tell us which one is Dick and which one is Wolf. Uh, leave that for us to figure out. Um, and then yeah, you can always write us a letter, uh, ask us a question, leave us a comment at revisionistpodcast.com. Just click on the contact form. Or uh, reach out via Instagram or Twitter. Uh, just search Revisionist Podcast 
on either of them shits. Yeah, um, everyone should follow the Instagram because it's a fun way to vote on which version of yes. the history you like. So definitely check out check that out and uh, check their stories because that's my favorite way of voting. So you should do yes. it too. Make your voice heard. Vote <laughs> like your life depends on it. Because it does. Listeners, I've killed millions who didn't vote. <laughs> in our, I'll delete that. Um, I don't even. <laughs> oh, yeah, people no. are going to believe that you've killed millions of people. Yep. The new uh, Stalin. The new. <laughs> oh my God. I don't know what the hell, but there was some combination. Speaking of Instagram, some combination of posts I've liked on Instagram where suddenly my recommendations, I've gotten a couple of pro Stalin accounts. Uh, oh, which is yeah. Well, the left will do that to you. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah, that don't, yeah. That's around. That doesn't surprise me even a little bit. I wish it did. Yeah. I, I it's just, not your fault if that's any comfort. A little bit, but it's also just like, oh, I, I have to see this with my eyes. Uh, I get pro Johnny Depp content, which is probably worse. So <laughs> that's, I mean, yeah, it's all, none of it's, none of it's great. Um, yeah. It's like the Hollem Door or that Willy Wonka remake, which is worse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goddamn. But then so, I occasionally also just get like very nice ducks in my algorithm. So <coughs> that's my serotonin. Um, but Zach, I believe you are uh, judging this episode. Yeah. Um, so, uh, obviously, um, yeah, we've got sort of the, and the alternate, the princess switch situation. And here's the thing. That's I what think it was. that, I was trying to remember. well, if you want to be classy, it's like the prince and the popper, but it's the princess switch. Um, <laughs> but, uh, one of the things I'm looking forward to with this is I think if we go this route, we can retcon some of this history if you ever if we ever get a situation where like there's a Marie Antoinette episode we can get the sex worker from the real history who looks like Marie Antoinette have a third switcher in there oh um, I'm looking forward to this sequel that we can yep. make I'm looking forward to the princess switch 4 which both on Netflix and in this version uh, involves decapitations <laughs> um, I assume uh, the Netflix version will come out next year and I assume that Vanessa Hudgens will be dead by the end of the movie um, by her own hand yeah. one of them will kill the other not suicide well one of them has to face the guillotine I imagine um, <laughs> well, who do you think ordered it the yeah. queen right um, so wake up we have a franchise. What I'm saying is there's a franchise possibility in the alternate and we have to pursue that. And so that is where my vote is going. That's the name of the game in 2022. Yeah. Pursue franchise mm -hmm. possibilities. And we can maybe P sell to Disney, roll it into the MCU. Yeah. Buffo B.O. Baby. Um, <laughs> I hated saying that. Uh, Shannon, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. I had a great time coming up with this fake history. I mean, alternate. I mean, real history. Yeah, now it's, it's the real one. Now I had well, a great time coming the vote, with the real. It history. could be voted down by the listener, but we'll see. Listeners, look into your hearts. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, listeners. Uh, voting is now open on Patreon. Uh, as you're listening to this, um, and there will be two. There's just a week and a half of 
solid voting fun uh, on Patreon. And then the last round of voting, as Shannon mentioned, on our Instagram stories. So don't miss your chance to make your voice heard. Uh, but that will do it for this episode. Uh, the first of 2022. Ring-a-ding-ding. Backstreet's back. Um, <laughs> Zach, thank you, as always, for being sure. here. Yep. I am falling apart. Uh, Shannon, thank you again. Yep. Happy to do it. For everyone here at The Revisionist, I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. And uh, au revoir. Have a good time. January 22nd, 1946. The American Central Intelligence Group is created. Later, it would be replaced by the CIA in an overnight coup. January 22nd, 1890. The United Mine Workers of America is founded in Columbus, Ohio, to protect workers from safety hazards like poor ventilation, inadequate exits, and balrogs. January 22nd, 613. Eight-month-old Hercules Constantine is made co-emperor of the Byzantine Empire, inspiring the stage play Bossus Babius. Fuck. I really liked that one. I wasn't. It, I enjoyed saying it, but I was also like, God, "You it. have to include the fuck, though." That actually, honestly, makes it even better. <laughs> the way you um, said it so instantly, like you so instantly disavowed it, <laughs> makes it even funnier. Honestly, I'm serious. Uh, I have that with a lot of things I say. Uh, I'll just do one more. January 22nd, 1968. Happy birthday to Guy Fieri, the first known baby born with frosted tips. Oh, that right. one is also very good. <laughs> I wasn't uh, sure. I loved them. <clears throat> oh, thank you, Shannon. January 22nd, 1946. The creation of the Central Intelligence Group, initially a synthwave band before later reforming into the Central Intelligence Agency. Uh, <laughs> let's see. January 22nd. Yeah. January 22nd, 613, eight-month-old Constantine is crowned co-emperor. An article about Constantine called How He Worked Hard and Became Co-Emperor at Eight Months Old only mentions that his father is emperor once near the end of the fourth paragraph. (laughs) January 22nd, 1984, the Apple Macintosh, the first consumer computer to popularize the mouse, is introduced during a Super Bowl commercial, now remembered as the first step on a dark road leading, inevitably, to that time they put a YouTube album on everybody's phone. I said YouTube, but I don't know if I should take it again. Also, popularize instead of popularize. I can do it. Should I do it one more time? Yeah. Take it again. We'll get a clean one. January 22nd, 1984, the Apple Macintosh, the first consumer computer to popularize the mouse, is introduced during a Super Bowl commercial. It is now remembered as the first step on a dark road leading, inevitably, to that time they put a U2 album on everybody's phone. <laughs>